Would you open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 12? And I'm just going to focus in on verses 14 through 17. If you have been a part of the journey the last few weeks, we've just been talking about this idea that your soul, this the warning here, don't let your soul be go to sleep, don't faint in your soul. And the weapon of choice for Satan is toxic shame, anesthetizing your soul. Did I say that word right? Anesthetizing? Is that it? medical people? Is that a word? Close? <laughs> toxic shame just puts you to sleep and what the Bible is calling us to is this full living. And we don't have time to review the last three weeks. I pray that you will go listen to those if you haven't. But verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, for who a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you be with us today? I pray that you'll make your word bright the lamp that you promised it would be. It seems so dark in our country, God, but I know that it is light in your kingdom. And today we pray that that light will guide us even as we move out of our church and back into our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I uh, went to Chicago this past week with my daughter to a, a BTS concert. Do you know about the BTS Come on, just raise your hand real quick. Okay, so look, this is, some of you know, and if you know, it's probably because you've got a teenage girl, okay? I don't even know, I can't even possibly express what happened, but it's, <laughs> but I'm gonna try. Uh, BTS is a Korean pop boy band, okay? They don't speak English, by the way, just so you know. And even so, 23,500 people bought tickets in Chicago, two nights. That's 50,000 people almost. They bought tickets to see the Korean pop band BTS uh, in Chicago. And so my daughter, who works at the Sonic, do you know about Sonic, right? So if you see my daughter at Sonic, know this is what your money went to. She <laughs> saved her hard-earned money to buy a ticket, to buy fuel, uh, she actually asked me if I would actually split that with her. I'm like, well, you need to understand the difference between someone going to the concert and someone taking you to the concert. <laughs> I am your chauffeur, I am your bodyguard, but I am not going to this show. So she got one of her buddies to go with her. <laughs> and they split the cost, and I was just that. I was the chauffeur and the bodyguard. And, and Amber, do you remember how loud it was in those Miley Arena? Just piercingly loud. And, Outside in the, just outside, it was piercingly loud. Just people lined up for hours and hours ahead of time, spent, they, could, they were throwing their money. Please give us your stuff, throwing your money. 
this was what she did. And so as we're, we went there a day early and we, we wandered around the Chicago, because if you're in Chicago, you might as well, right? You know? Now I will say this, and I want you to, if you see my daughter, I need you to give her a hard time for this. We're at the Airbnb and, the, and the, somebody knocks at the door and it was a Domino's delivery guy. Her and her little buddy in Chicago had ordered Domino's pizza. <laughs> Yeah, you have permission to shame her. I'll give you written permission, should you need it, to shame my daughter. I'm looking at it going, and then she later, she goes, but dad, it was like the driver seemed so sad. Like, well, of course he's sad. He's delivering Domino's in Chicago. Like, that's, if you're going to deliver pizza. But anyway, so the whole point of this story, because there was a point, is we walked around downtown Chicago. We took a picture under the bean, which by the way, is one of the greatest skinny mirrors ever known to man. Like I want to get one of those for the house. I, I looked fantastic in the bean. <laughs> took a lot of pictures. Um, but everywhere we went, somebody would go to Lauren. Oh, hi, you're BTS. I, I like your socks or I like your look. I, you know, everywhere we went, including Chinatown, so a Korean store in Chinatown. So I don't even know what to say about that. But they all knew each other by what they were wearing, by their hair, by their look. They all knew each other. I mean, Chicago's a big place and a lot of people, but oh, BTS, like people would literally out of the blue go to Lauren, oh, you look so cute, I like your socks, I like your little thing, I like your, she had little things hanging off her hat, they were apparently BTS things. They knew her by her look of what was going on with the community that she was involved with. Jesus said to us that they would know you by your, by your love, not by your well-crafted political arguments, not by which party you're registered with, by your love. And I felt like today we might need a reminder of that. I can't say anything to the whole country. I, they aren't listening to me. But maybe today, just for a little bit, maybe you would listen to the words of Jesus and the words of the scriptures. Because he says here, in this passage, it's, it seems so appropriate, doesn't it, to make every effort, verse 14, to live in peace with everyone and, and to be holiness without holiness. No one will see the Lord. I don't think that, by the way, is a reference to you're not getting into heaven. I think it's a reference to that when we are running on all cylinders as believers in the body of Christ, they see Jesus in us. And living in holiness is part of that because if I'm living out of toxic shame and I'm living in sin and doing horrible things to you and you're doing horrible things to me, we don't see the Lord because we're, we see each other. We get in his way with it. And so when it says to live in holiness, that completeness of who the Lord is, it's our opportunity to live together in a way that they will, you will see the Lord on this side of heaven. And when I was watching what was happening on, on the news this week, I'm, ever since I was a little kid, I mean, this is gonna come as no surprise to you, but I was a weird kid. Like, weird. Like, even as a little guy, we got like CNN and TBS. So TBS was a big deal because then wrestling happened, right? So that was a big deal. In my little town, we got 13 channels, but one of them was CNN. And as a third, fourth, fifth, sixth grader, I would watch CNN headline news every morning before I went to school. Now, I didn't know that was weird at the time, but now in hindsight, I'm like, well, that was kind of weird. But my point is, I've always been someone who's really enjoyed 
the whole political process in our country. I just have. In these last few years even, like I've less and less and less, because it doesn't feel like a political process anymore, it feels like a reality show made for television. And it's, I mean, we're not stupid, right? We know that whichever side you're on, and I, in this room there are people on both sides, that that side gets more views, they get more money, so they're, they're, they're pandering to that side, and this side's pandering to that side, and somewhere Walter Cronkite is rolling over in his grave going, So the, the systems of this world, there's a, that's, that's happening right now. And against the backdrop of that, the writer of Hebrews is saying to his culture, which they didn't have CNN or Twitter or nothing, but they had a culture that had a government that was not good, persecuting them, beating them. It would be more like China would be more similar to the government they had, or Iran would be more similar to the government they had than what we do. But that was the culture they were living in. That was, and so in that culture, in that world, he's saying to them, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To the brothers and sisters in the Hebrew church who have been ostracized by your families, who have been rejected by your own family because you're following Christ, who are being abused and massacred by your own government because you're following Christ. To those people, make every effort to live in peace with one another and to be holy because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now that doesn't mean not to get angry. I, I think that that's an important element of what we have to learn from the scriptures is that the idea that I'm not angry or I can't get angry is patently unbiblical. This idea that Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I never fight, I never get angry, I'm just stoic. That's a great, it's a Greek philosophy. Eastern religion would say some of that. Uh, Seinfeld, serenity now. Like that's, that's the logical conclusion of that lifestyle. It's not biblical. The Bible actually says two different times than I know of, and you might remember more than I'm gonna remember, but Psalm 4 and Ephesians 4 both have a command to be angry. So that's not the problem. The problem isn't the angry. The problem is he goes on to say, don't let a root of bitterness grow up inside of you. Bitterness and anger are not the same thing. They're not two sides of the same coin. Anger, the problem with anger is also the benefit of anger because it tells you and the world around you what you care about, what you love most. You mess with my wife, I want you to know I'm coming and I'm bringing hell with me, okay? Tombstone quote, anyone? <laughs> Any male over 40 knew exactly what I was talking about, the rest of you. Because I, I love her that much. Mess with one of my kids? Oh, good Lord. Like I'm redeemed, turn the other cheek, but I'm not that redeemed. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll take my chances with Jesus. <laughs> the point is, is that anger says what I love. It, it's very revealing and very vulnerable. And it says that if, if I'm letting that angerness rise up and angerness, anger, angry, rise up inside of me, it's a good to actually check for yourself of what do I love the most? Because what makes me the most angry, there's a direct path and correlation back to what I love the most. Now, the good news is when what makes you angry is what makes God angry, okay? The death of 55 million children in America in the last 40 years makes God angry, it makes me angry. The sexual assault of women in our country and around the world makes God angry. That makes me angry. 
that's good when it's that and it makes, what makes me angry is what makes God angry, then I feel like I'm on the right page. The problem is, is when I get angry about stuff that God's not angry about because it shows where my allegiances are and where my love is. So when it says to make every effort to live at peace together, I can't control Kathy Holton's behavior, which I don't have to because she's kind of rocking it. But she can't control mine, right? And by the way, newsflash, I don't know if you guys got, especially if you got adult children, you can't control their behavior, right? <laughs> that was, somebody should have covered that with us, by the way, when we were younger. But living at peace together means that I'm gonna live at peace with myself beside you living at peace with yourself and then we're living at peace together. You see? And what brings me Peace is when I'm dealing with the stuff that God wants to heal inside of me. I mean, ultimately, when we talk about what toxic shame really does in our life, it's the ground from which bitterness grows. That the bitterness, this, the contempt, is literally just a fruit and a result of the shame that the enemy has put in our hearts. And when I know that, I can even look on the TV and see the people protesting on either side of, a, of an issue who are acting, uh, Galatians 5 talks about the works of the flesh, which are uh, riotousness. Does that sound familiar? Uh, disdain, contempt. It's growing from the grounds of toxic shame inside of us. I believe that's why Jesus despised the shame because it's the addiction behind the addiction. But living at peace for me means I'm finding peace in my own heart and in my own life. And from that, then when I see something happen, whether it's in my own family, whether it's at a stoplight in Cool Springs, or whether it's on the steps of the Supreme Court, and I can check my attitude and check my heart, cross-referencing, oh, this is, but God's in control. I was reading this and seeing, man, Esau, we talked about last week, but Esau had a root of bitterness that grew up inside of him. And what Esau, from the bitterness, if we don't have time to go there, it's in Genesis 27, 28, 29, go back and read it. But the bitterness that Esau had from inside of him was when he saw something happen in his life that he didn't think was fair. Newsflash, it actually was. It didn't seem fair to me either. I would have been angry if I was him. But he let that anger rise up into bitterness inside of him, not knowing that 6,000 years of human history would testify that the reason God had done the things he had done and that Jacob was who Jacob was was so that Jesus would come through the line of Jacob, the line of Israel. There was a plan going on far greater than what Jacob or Esau knew. And when I look at these people that he's writing to in this book of Hebrews and I look at us in America today and think, man, I saw stuff, I see stuff in our government that, that I'm not sure what's going on anymore, like many of you. knowing that it's God who puts heads of government in place, knowing that God moves this piece or that piece. And that works whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, that works. Because I can take a step back and say, okay, if I'm getting really, really, really angry about this and I'm like blisteringly angry and now I'm acting like Genesis or Galatians 5 verses 20 instead of 5 verses 26 with the fruits of the Spirit, then maybe I love my system of government than I do God. It's not a rebuke. It's just a, oh, I can actually look at that and say, maybe that's where that's coming from. And if I take a step back and say, 
Oh, but living at peace with one another, if I step back and say the grace of God is in this and he's moving in our country, he's moving in every country, he's moving in Iran, he's moving in Guatemala, he's moving in the United States of America, and I can take a step back and I understand exactly why the writer of Hebrews would start this whole chapter 11, 12, and 13, which all fits together with the phrase, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's where the faith is gonna come in. And what is the faith in? The faith isn't in my government. The faith isn't in my elected officials. The faith isn't in me. The faith is in Christ. The faith that we have, that he's going to move on our behalf, starts at the cross. Because of everything we've seen in our world, we know because of the cross that he's good. We know because of what he did, when I perceive the work of the cross, that when he was done at the cross, he said, it is finished. That same phrase, by the way, could be translated as it is paid in full, period, done. You can keep making payments, but it's done. It's like your house is paid off, like you get to go do the debt-free scream on Dave Ramsey, and you keep making your payments. When he says, by the way, don't fall short of the grace of God, I believe that's simply because grace right? And bitterness cannot coexist together. Bitterness is me keeping making payments. Bitterness is me trying to keep making it right. Bitterness is me living by not, by the way, he says in Galatians, it's not the fruit of the flesh. It's the works of the flesh. The fruit of the spirit is me just hanging with Christ in fruit growing out of me. The works of the flesh is I've got to keep doing it. I've got to keep making it happen. I can judge by that sound that we are out of time. So, Oh, giddy, goody, goody. I'm not, hopefully you don't experience this as I'm not rebuking anybody this morning. I'm on the same level playing ground in front of the cross that you're in. But we have an opportunity as a, as a people of Jesus people, a group of Jesus people, to let them know us by our love. Because I promise you that in 10, 20 years, all the fighting and the bickering will eventually play itself out and they're going to be looking for, you're going to be looking for anything besides that. And what Jesus promised, the perception when we perceive the cross is so much better. We could know, they could know us, not by the sign in our yard, but by the Jesus that's living inside of us. And I'm going to say this and then we're going to be done. There are, if you're a follower of Christ, okay, you follow Jesus and you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, you believe the words of Christ that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you're the only, he's the only way, it's just his words. If you, if you believe that, there is a, a group of people out there that think you are crazy and in some ways want you dead, want you out of the picture. Now, I want you to hear me say something that I believe to be true with all my heart. And it's given, I woke up this morning praying and I had so much empathy. They are not your enemies. They are hostages and in no war do we shoot the hostages. The enemy is Satan. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so when you see something or someone and it just, and I'm with you, I'm like, oh my goodness, they think that what they're saying, I actually believe that and they're saying that I'm a bigoted, hated guy. Instead of me rising up in anger, because if I'm rising up in anger at that, what I'm saying is I care about my reputation more about 
Jesus. Instead to say, okay, check, okay, I, I get that. So I love what Jesus did for me and the debt that he paid for me was so much more. Like, I don't know much about hell. I'm just gonna tell you, I just don't. But the one thing I do, and, if, and when I say hell, I want you to take all the immediate images. Was it fire? Is it a lake? Is it the, take all that and put it over here somewhere and just know that whatever it is, it's forever. And that what Jesus did for us on the cross, for me on the cross, was so bad that it was, whatever hell is, it was worse than that. And he paid that for me. So, that I, so the debt that I owed in a currency that I couldn't even afford is taken care of. And it's the same debt that he paid for everybody that breathes breath on this side of heaven. And that brings an empathy to me. And by the way, when I talk about pulling up the bitterness roots and all that, that's not a one and done project, y'all. That's tomorrow, the next day. I was out there this morning, I'm like, man, there's more clover. How is that possible? Because <laughs> it's, a, it's a lifelong journey of digging up those roots you digging up yours, me digging up mine. But I get the opportunity as a believer in Christ to pray. Obviously, pray for our leaders, pray for our president, pray for our Supreme Court justices, pray for our people. But our prayer is that we could go into all the world and make disciples of all men. That those who are screaming and so scared and so afraid right now because in their minds, they're feeling much. If you were a Republican when Obama was elected, remember how scary you might have felt? Put that in reverse. They might be feeling that. Allow your idea to enter your mind that maybe Jesus is gonna tell them and you and me, neither one, that our governments were gonna save us. I totally believe with all my heart that one of the reasons that Jesus has let this go on so long because it says in Isaiah that the government will be on his shoulders when Jesus returns. And I think we'll be able to say, oh, thank God, literally, thank God. Because I've tried it every which way but loose, right? We've tried democracy, we've tried uh, Marxism and social, we've tried all of them. And all of them had their flaws because all of them had humans involved. We're gonna say with him, you got this one, Jesus. You're gonna do this righteous and true are your judgments. We'll have thousands of years of human history to prove that we couldn't do that one. And for us today, our faith is that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And until that day happens, this side of heaven, the people screaming on the steps of the Supreme Court or the people screaming in the streets of Charlottesville, Jesus loves them all. And he loves you. Enough that he would pay that price for you. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Gang, I want you to... If you got anything out of this that felt heavy and burdensome and, and rebukey, then forgive me because that's not my intention at all. That wasn't what I wanted to say to you this morning. I'm inviting you into the journey of faith in Christ, not faith in our government. I'm inviting you into a journey to live at peace with each other in our church family and around the world so that we could be a beacon of hope that they might Peter said they see the way to silence the talk of foolish men, and I think it's First Peter, was not with a really well-crafted argument, but with your good works, that they would see your good deeds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that in my inadequacy of eloquence this morning that you would speak through your spirit to us, that this is a word of encouragement for us, Lord, maybe the gift is that we can actually begin to read chapters like Hebrews 12 more literally just like they would in China or Iran. 
country like Haiti who doesn't expect their government to help them anyway. They're not praying to their government. Would, could we read those words more literal today that we might live at peace with one another, that those roots of bitterness would be pulled up from inside of us, that we might run with perseverance the race that you have put in front of us, not sidelined by the toxic shame that causes us to be bitter and cynical, but set free, free in Jesus' name, amen.